Welcome to Milwaukee MomCast, a podcast dedicated to real stories for real parents. Produced by Milwaukee Mom, we'll tackle a variety of topics in a way we hope will make you laugh, make you think, and remind you that this whole being a parent thing can be a little wild, but at least we're in it together. So reheat your coffee, grab the headphones, and get comfy while we chat all things motherhood with a Midwest twist. Hello, friends. Welcome to this episode of Milwaukee MomCast. I am your host, Sarah, and today I am joined in studio by the brilliant and lovely Jennifer Brindley of Jennifer Brindley Portraits. And we are going to talk a lot about body positivity. We're going to talk about getting in the photo. We're also going to talk about storm chasing and vegan fish fries. So there's a lot to cover on today's episode. Let's jump right in. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Milwaukee MomCast. I am really excited for you to meet today's guest. She is a force to be reckoned with in the Milwaukee area because she creates some of the most gorgeous, gorgeous art you will ever see based on real people in front of her camera. I have Jennifer Brindley of Jennifer Brindley Portraits in the studio today. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. You are such a fun, cool person. And one of the things that we're going to really talk about today is how, in general, we seem to feel like moms don't want to get in the picture. And you are very passionate about not just moms, but getting people in front of the camera and being photographed. And there's a lot more to that than just taking a pretty picture. So can you just tell us a little bit about you and your background and what you do and who you are? Sure. Well, uh, I moved to Milwaukee in October of 2008. I'm originally from Denver. Um, my husband is a Milwaukee native, and that's what brought me here. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, love makes you do crazy things, like move <laughs> to Milwaukee from Denver. <laughs> uh, and so with that, I actually started in my career as a photographer by photographing weddings. And yeah. so I photographed weddings for 10 years, and in that time, I photographed 200 weddings. That's a lot of weddings. Yes, 200 exactly. So my final wedding was number 200, and um, I ended up transitioning my photography business to being exclusively portrait. Okay. Uh, and that, so my last wedding was in 2017 and I've been doing portrait ever since and it's spectacular. Portrait is the thing that allows me to connect one-on-one -on -one with another person to help them see themselves through my eyes and it lights my fire and it keeps the fire burning. So that's a little bit about me. And you are, um, you're so creative in your portraits too. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but there's, before we even get into the, 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 picture part. There's another element to you that is incredible. There's many elements to you that are incredibly fascinating. <laughs> but one of them that I want to talk about before we even dig into the photography stuff is that you are a storm chaser. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing about myself I didn't mention. <laughs> yeah. This is so cool. Yeah. I, uh, I went on my first storm chase in 2006. I saw my first tornado in 2007. And since then, um, I actually took a little break, but I've been chasing full seasons since 2011. Now, what does that mean um, by full seasons? Yeah. So a full season is something between 20,000 and 25,000 miles of driving all across 
the central United States. Oh my goodness. Um, we'll chase storms as far uh, as far north as North Dakota or Montana, as far south as Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi, Texas. So okay. it just depends on, you know, we'll be in New Mexico. Primarily, we're chasing what you consider to be Tornado Alley. Um, and I've seen nearly 60 tornadoes in wow. the last, oh, I guess, 2011 to now. So the last eight years. And is the goal primarily to to photograph these storms or is it to study them, all of the above? It's a great question. And the answer to that question has changed over time. So I bet, yeah. when, it, when it first began, it was just a fierce obsession with weather um, and tornadoes specifically, like being desperate to see a tornado. I saw the movie Twister and I thought, oh my gosh, is okay, this a I real thing? I love that movie. Yes, obsessed with it. And we quote it endlessly. Oh, I bet. Um, it's so much fun. And so, and um, it's probably like incredibly inaccurate, I'm guessing, right? Much of it like is very inaccurate. Like everything is baloney yes. in that movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, I just checking. I just need to confirm that. It was my, it's been my suspicion for years, but I just needed to make sure that I was right. Absolutely. So, um, but it's still fun. And uh, so when it, the chasing first started, it was just personal. Okay. And I referred to it as the most expensive hobby of all time. <laughs> um, but luckily, I, I chase full-time with my chase partner, Skip Talbot. He's in Southern Illinois with his wife and family. Okay. And um, we have been really, really lucky. Uh, we ended up starting a working relationship with a, um, an atmospheric scientist named Anton Simon three or four years ago now. Wow. <laughs> my, my memory isn't great. Um, but we've been funded by National Geographic and we're able to actually go into the field and study tornadoes. Um, we're using photogrammetry with a very small dedicated team, meaning we're triangulating our position around a tornado and capturing it in synchronized high resolution video and photo. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So um, we're currently analyzing the data from a recent very close encounter with a very strong tornado we had this spring. And um, we're anxiously awaiting the results of that data analysis. Wow. And that's really fascinating. It's a lot of fun. It's what I do in the spring. So the studio is closed from mid-May to the end of June. And I'm really grateful. And you're just running all over the country. (laughs) So were you that were you that person when you said like you always had this strong fascination? Were you that person that every time the wind kicked up or whatever, you were the one like out on the front porch, like looking when everybody else is going to the basement, (laughs) you're out there watching? Oh, you know, it's funny. I'm from Colorado. And um, you would think that the most tornadoes that happen in the country are in Kansas or something like that. Well, the Wizard of Oz tells us so. Of course. Obviously, that's true. Obviously. So um, but in reality, the most tornadoes per square footage in it, it actually happens in Colorado which is interesting. Are you so serious? Col- yeah, Colorado is a hotbed for severe weather and tornadoes. And um, it's because the elevation gives gives uh, a lot more opportunity for the vorticity to happen in the, in the atmosphere. So um, you have upslope lift and all of this that happens from the mountains. So a lot of storm chasers are based out of Colorado for that reason. Yeah, I never would have guessed that. <laughs> I never ever in a million years would have guessed that. Yeah. So there was always a fascination with looking at the swirly twirly clouds overhead and uh, <laughs> thinking that a tornado could just come out of any cloud. And, right. Um, you know, like it's just going to show up. Right. Yeah. Right. So as we move forward in life, we learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, my um, my parents' house was actually hit by a tornado last August. Oh my and gosh. Um, so I was there a couple of days afterwards starting to help them clean up. They lost, um, I believe the count would, they stopped counting at 32 trees. Oh man. Yeah. They, they counted all the way up to 32 and they're like, you know what? Screw it. We're not counting anymore. Whatever. And they had a line of trees on the West side of their house, which is what saved their house. Cause the tornado came freight straight from the West, went across the cornfield and then ran into the line of trees, which knocked a couple of the trees into their house. But at least then it didn't take out their entire house. Um, 
And uh, yeah, just kind of like going there and seeing that afterward. It was it was crazy. And then just a couple of weeks ago, we had to wake up our kids and go down into the basement with a tornado I warning I that, that came through Waukesha. Yeah, which is something I had never had to do before. It's terrifying. And um, so just that alone. And then I think about you like out there in a vehicle, like running for your life, but while also trying to capture data and imagery. I mean... How, how how do you kind of like, is it just two sides of a very fascinating coin when you have this beautiful, serene, artistic studio in West Alice where you're bringing people to life in front of the camera, but like then a couple months out of the year, you're like out there in raw nature. How do, the, how do those both kind of exist in the same passion? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, with tornadoes, I like to say that my dream tornado is one that's out in open land that doesn't harm people, homes, crops. Yeah. Um, the destruction is something that terrifies me as a storm chaser just as much, you know. And if yeah, my I can home, imagine. it's really, really different it, with your home, your life, your family in the path of a tornado. That's not the same thing as as actually going out and chasing a, a supercell in search of a tornado. Right. Um, and especially now that we've give, been given the opportunity to do actual research in hopes of furthering our ability to protect everyday people in the path of storms that are going to happen whether we chase them or not. Absolutely. You know, um, it feels like a little bit of a way to give back, um, in, in terms of this isn't just for myself in this like obsession with wanting to see what we want to see, but there's actually a purpose to this now. Totally. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, both parts uh, definitely exist inside my head. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've given consideration to stopping chasing and that never lasts long. Um, I've had seasons where I've had mental breakdowns because of being away from my husband, because of how hard it is, because existing on the road, living out of a cooler and out of gas station food, you know, for oh, six yeah. weeks is really, really hard. You have vehicles breaking down, you have tragedies, you're hitting deer, you know, all kinds of crazy things happen. Yeah. But um it's worth it. Absolutely. It's, an, it's a compulsion. I can't not do it. So <laughs> you're too, you're too far in it now. Yeah. It's part of you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I kind of made joke about it earlier, but that we do kind of have this almost Midwest stereotype where it's like, you know, oh, the tornado sand's going off time to go outside and take a look. But, um, I have to thank you because, you know, despite that kind of stereotype that we have the other, you know, a couple weeks ago, whenever this happened, the, you know, the, the alarm went off on my phone. We switched off Netflix and turned on the news to look at the radar. Then the sirens went off, but it wasn't until I look at Facebook and Jennifer Brindley says, <laughs> Hey guys, this one's for real. If you're in Waukesha, get, this is, a, this is, this is for real. And I'm like, okay, this is for real. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think we just have this, you know, maybe it's, yes, it's probably fine. We don't have to wake up the kids, but you, what you're really doing is by being, so knowledgeable about this and sharing this with the people you know it's really helpful and I want to say thank you for that oh that's so nice well it's just you know I want to share what I know and I feel like that's a time when people either are really scared and they need yeah. comforting or they are 
it's kind of like the boy who called wolf kind of a syndrome. And, um, you know, I'm not going to get the kids yep. out of bed. Do I really need to wake them up? That's something I hear all the time. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah. I, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. oh, geez, do we really need to do this? But really, the National Weather Service isn't going to slap a tornado warning on something when a tornado isn't possible. So it's always a good idea to to heed the warning. Uh, and it helps if you have a storm chaser friend who can tell you if the circulation has died. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so if you take nothing else from this, you guys, if the tornado sirens goes, goes off, if you have a warning, get your butt in the basement. Dang right. There you go. All right. So in addition to being a really cool BA storm chaser, Jennifer is one of the most fantastic photographers in the greater Milwaukee area. And your specialty, as she's mentioned, is in portrait photography. And you kind of have this um, this philosophy, this signature statement, that's this mantra by which you hop behind the camera. It's your exist in photos philosophy. Can you tell us more about what that means for you? Absolutely. So it starts in a personal space for me. Um, I am... A 37-year-old woman, and uh, I've been struggling with my weight and food addiction my whole adult life, maybe since adolescence. Cheers. Even. Same. Hi. <laughs> uh, and I feel like that's something that so many women, especially women, can relate to. Mm-hmm. Folks in general, but my specialty is women, so um, I also photograph men. Uh, but, you know, this is going to be focused more in the genre of ladies. Um, so... I used to weigh 70-ish pounds more than I do now, and uh, I've been on a roller coaster there and back, Uh, but I find and found that in my time when I was in a higher weight that I would run and hide from that camera. Like mm-hmm. being photographed is the absolute last thing I wanted because I didn't like the feelings I felt when I looked at the image and saw myself in that image. Um, and. I found that I looked back on this period in my life and saw that I did not exist in photos anywhere. Yeah. So there was not actually any evidence that I existed in life. Um, no photographic evidence. And there's plenty of pictures of my family, of my friends, but I wasn't really in the picture. <laughs> you know you were there, Certainly. but there's no right. documentation of it. Right. And uh, so it made me sad mm-hmm. because looking back at my younger self, it's almost looking back at someone young in my life that I love. And I felt sad that I couldn't see who who I was and what I looked like and where I was. It's like in that moment, I wasn't thinking about future Jen. I also wasn't thinking about my loved ones who might want to look back at the trip I took to Tulsa with my brother and my besties and see that I was actually there. You know what I mean? So that's the whole idea. I want women especially, to exist in photos. And that requires a lot of commitment and bravery. And that's the whole idea. Yeah. I, I love how you how you framed that because it can be so easy to get caught up in that moment. I don't like, I'm not comfortable with how I look slash feel in this particular moment that we don't let our brains fast forward, like play forward the tape maybe five or 10 years oh, yeah. and think like, wait, what if, what if maybe I want to see that I was there or yeah. what if my kids or my, yeah, like you said, my loved ones want to know that I was there, you know, or, you know, God forbid I'm not around anymore and they want to remember me. Absolutely. And, and that's and the other part of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I find that, uh, 
you know, and thinking back, my husband didn't love me less. My mm. parents didn't love me less. Point being, um, the only one who was kind of loving me less in that time was me. Yeah. And I erased myself because of that. And that sucks. And I, I just don't want women to erase themselves anymore. So then how did you transition from being in that sort of headspace of feeling that uncomfortableness in front of the camera and the not wanting to be in the photo? How do you transition from that to literally encouraging and championing, championing there's that word, <laughs> other women to do exactly that and get in the picture? That's a very good question. Um, I tend to look at it like an exercise in self-love for mm. myself because I find and have found through this journey that I don't practice what I preach the way I should. <laughs> that I don't I, think you're alone in that. I <laughs> spend my life encouraging women and showing them how beautiful they are and reminding them of their value and worth as human beings, as individuals, as moms, as daughters, whatever. But I still will look at myself in a photo and go get cringy about it. Oh, and it's yeah. so sucky. But the, the good thing is that the thing I spend my life doing reminds me, it's the voice in the back of my head that goes, hey, Jennifer, you know that yeah. thing you're doing right now? Like, stop, love yourself a little more. Do that for yourself. Too. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Ugh, so, and what's really fascinating about this, this concept and this philosophy is that we in 2019, I, I don't know, whatever percentage of us, I have no fact to back this up, but the majority of us are literally carrying around a pretty fancy camera in our pocket or our purse all the time attached to our phone. We have unlimited opportunities for capturing not just the special moments, but the everyday moments with our families, with our children, with our loved ones, with our surroundings. And I, and again, I have no evidence to back this up, but you, however, have multiple time and time again, interactions with women who I'm guessing you've probably heard this from them where you just still feel like, no, I'll just take the picture. It's fine. You go ahead. So why do you think in the age when we have unlimited potential to be in the picture that we still are hesitant to do it, that we just don't feel like we want to? Very important question. And you're right. I have a consultation that's a very personal converse, consultation and conversation with every woman I photograph. Yeah. And we talk about this because they're literally coming in to be photographed. So I want to talk about how they want to be photographed. Right. And that always leads back to the beginning of why aren't you being photographed? And over and over and over, it's I see that it's moms who are desperately dedicated to capturing every moment of their baby's lives. Mm -hmm. They want the family to be captured. They like it's like they take on this burden of being the memory keeper. Oh, definitely. For the family. Um, they want to get the first steps, the first words, the first picture, firsts, firsts, firsts. It's like they're Pumpkin telling patch, apple yeah. orchard, open the Christmas gifts, all, all the of special it. things. Yep. They want to make sure that they, that stuff doesn't go uncaptured, but they forget that they're part of the story. Mm. And so it's like they're it comes from a place of love, in my opinion, that they just put themselves last on the list. And that's a mom syndrome, putting yourself last on the list. It's what moms always do. And literally, you have to think, do your kids want you to be doing that? What good is the picture of everyone at the apple orchard without mom in the picture? What's the purpose of the image? The purpose of the image you're creating is so your kid has this to look back on. So mm -hmm. you, when you're 70, have this to look back on. But it's going to mean so much more to your child when they remember that it was mom who took them. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of just taking the picture of Adam with his apple, you 
tap mom on the shoulder, the mom next to you. You say, hey, want to trade? Will you take a picture of me with my kids? And I'll take a picture of you with yours. And that's going to be better for both of you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I can't even count how many times I've done that exact same thing. I know part of it is body confidence and or lack thereof. But I even remember when you and I sat down for our cons our, our conversation before my photos, you even asked like, so how do you like to be photographed? I was like, I don't know. I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, when you picture, we were like, we, I, th- I remember you even asking me, so when you get dressed up to like go to a wedding, what do you wear? I went, I don't know. Yeah. That's that mom's putting themselves last on the list thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Literally every question you asked me, I said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I would get dressed up. I don't know how I like to be photographed. I don't know any of this because nobody had ever asked me that before. You know, like nobody had ever said, how do you want to be viewed in this photo? Mm -hmm. In this, or how do you want to, to even extend that out? How do you want to be captured in this moment for posterity, for the future? Uh And it was such an unusual thing to try to have to think about that I literally all I could stammer was, I don't know. Well, and I feel that I hear it a lot from women who have been moms for six, eight, ten, whatever years. And they tell me I almost have forgotten that I had an identity outside of mom. Yes. So it's like, I can't even like thinking about the makeup I put on my face in the morning so I can walk out the door is like the extent of the self-care that I've been able to to manage. And a lot of women, you know, I give my clients a little self-care prep timeline, like your photo shoots in six weeks. Here are some things that you should consider, like a manicure or a facial or a massage, like do things to help you feel good in your body, to help you feel bright and fresh. And I've had women come in and say, the amount of self-care I did before the shoot is the most I've done in the last 10 years easily. Yeah. And it makes me sad. It makes me happy that it's an opportunity to encourage a woman to take care of herself the way she should, the way I know that her loved ones want her to. Yeah. But women are in the caretaker role mm-hmm. when they're mothers and that's their whole world. And like the people you care for, they know you're a caretaker and they know that you put yourself last and it's the last thing that they actually want for you. Yeah. It's such a weird conundrum. Yeah. And I'm sure that they probably, it's almost like they just needed to be given permission to do yes. it sometimes. Absolutely. Because yeah. I also hear that um, they feel that they're selfish yeah. if they put themselves first, like on any level, like as if your kid at a, at a sitter for two hours while you go get a massage, like for the first time in six months is a selfish thing. Like it unequivocally is not you know like your home resources are for everyone in the home you know so this like delves into a lot of other issues for sure but it's all deeply connected yeah and it's something that I see as a repetitive theme with the women that I meet with over and over and over again my counselor would tell me that would be a whole nother podcast talking about um (laughs) shame and all of that but um but we're not gonna have time to get into all of that today (laughs) um I'm guessing that one of the excuses or one of the rationales behind not wanting to get in the photo that you hear quite often is I'm not photogenic oh yeah yeah and the brilliant thing about that is that being photogenic is not a thing okay do tell (laughs) everybody has this idea of themselves it's sort of like uh, and, and ironically, we're recording a podcast right now. But like, do you remember the first time you heard your recorded voice? Uh, yes. And how it sounds nothing like what you think it sounds. And you cringe and you go, oh, my God, is that how I really sound? Why did nobody tell me this? Right. And I feel like seeing a photograph of yourself is a similar experience. I would agree. But what I like to remind people, it's multifaceted. Um, but especially 
well, people tend to tie being photogenic to weight or age or any other physical characteristic that they aren't 1000% in love with because okay. they don't look like a Kardashian or whoever they think they're supposed <laughs> to look like this month. Because um, it does change yeah, very often. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that is sort of the point. <laughs> what we think is beautiful, it's it's actually like that whole beauties in the eye of the beholder thing is really true. But I like to tell women that they are the physical embodiment of everything they mean to their children and their loved ones. And you are that right now. So um, the way that I, you know, women delay coming in because they want to lose 10 pounds or 20 pounds. And oh my gosh, that's constant. I'll share posts and women will be like, oh my God, it's totally a bucket list thing. I want to be photographed by you as soon as I lose these last 20 pounds. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, please don't wait. Like, please don't wait. Because A, the person you are right now is the person that all the people who love you, your children, connect their idea of mom, their idea of you, is connected to you exactly as you are right now. In this moment. In this moment. Yes. So you, it's okay if you feel like you want to like train for a marathon or, you know, fit into the dress you love or whatever, but the reason that you need to be unafraid of being in an image and unafraid of being photographed is literally for, and in this context, especially is for your children. Yeah. And I feel like that's really, really powerful. Like, do you honestly think that your kids ever look at you and think, "Mm, mom should go on a diet? Like that thought never enters some some child's head. That's not, that's (laughs) not a thing. And I like to encourage women to think of their own mothers. Mm Mm-hmm their own grandmothers, their aunties, their female mentors. And when you look at photographs of those women, what do you think of? It gives you joy. You look at them and you think of your happy memories and who they are to you. And the experiences. You see them and you see them, like who they are inside. And you're not seeing what they're weight or their physical characteristics all we might of that. laugh at the fashion but right that's about it right but like all of that their presence in an image is literally is literally a physical embodiment of the person that you love yeah inside and so if only we could take that not we know this to be true Tro- totally yeah and it's you know it's anecdotal but like I would challenge anyone who has a loved one who is not perfect because none of us are perfect right to say otherwise yeah so if we can just take this knowledge then and apply it to our own lives it would just make us all feel a little bit more relaxed and a little happier and a little more confident you know what I mean and why is it so much harder to yeah. take those things that we know to logically be true just exactly like that and apply it to ourselves yeah you know I mean I, I I'm not looking for an answer for sure. this from you sure. because I feel like this is one of those larger questions that can just get applied to everything from you know seeing ourselves as beautiful or photogenic to you know, giving ourselves grace when we screw up to anything else, like things that we know to logically be true that will apply to our, our family, our children, our best friends, for whatever reason, we just can't seem to do the same to ourselves. Right. And so that is, it's impossible to convince someone of this. So (laughs) even if we're having the discussion and I can rationally say, yes, I understand what you're saying, but it's too personal. It's too deep. It's tied way too deeply inside of our psyches and Mm. the way that we've been raised and the way we've lived our entire lives in a social media space, especially these days where we're constantly inundated by visual ideas of what beautiful is supposed to look like. Um, So that's why the experience in my studio is very magical because it's an opportunity for you to see yourself through my eyes and the final 
the final product, the final images, uh, women are always blown away by the wall of photographs of themselves at the end. And it's literally because I've given you an opportunity to put yourself first, to get a little pampering done and to have a crew right yeah so like celebrities got like a glam squad up in there right exactly celebrities have this every day they have people who make sure that they are at their most polished selves Mm -hmm. and we don't have that because we have bills to pay and we're working humans we're normal right (laughs) so I have we do live styling we do custom hair and makeup and I am an expert poser we take you through that whole process of being photographed so I'm going to bring out your very best visual most polished self it's you but it's just elevated a little bit so you can see that you're no different from some celebrity who has this constantly every day which by the way have you seen that commercial that's out right now I can't remember what the product is for but it shows Angelina Jolie getting with her like her squad is like getting her ready for the red carpet for the the new Maleficent movie that's coming out right and the whole concept of the commercials it shows her kids like running around in chaos around the house as she, you hear her saying like what time is it she's got like the under eye gold um you know puffy eye pack thingies I'm not gonna right. know what the, the gel pads yeah those are on she's got like an actual army of folks mm-hmm. In this house, like dressing her, legit sewing her into her dress, hair, makeup, the whole thing. Like there's a, and and then you don't find out until the end because you don't see who it is until the very end of this commercial. And it's her on the red carpet. And I love it because like, you know, we see the picture, we see them walking the red carpet and working the microphone and doing the thing. And we see how like, oh my gosh, it's just like, how, how? Right. And we, we, we don't see the it was you know, eight hours and a crew of 20 people <laughs> correct and four layers of Spanx yep. and yeah. you know countless other things that go into creating this end product right and so I really I just enjoy watching that commercial which is some, saying something because I appreciate that kind of glimpse behind the curtain to say like hey you know this isn't I woke up like this. right <laughs> this, right. this took a lot of work Totally. And a lot of talented professionals. Absolutely. And so similarly so, when it comes time after all the primping and, and, you know, getting you ready and getting the outfits on and all that stuff, ultimately, the photogenic thing is my job. Yeah. When people uh, really light up in front of the camera, it's because they're comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's my actual job to do that. It's my superpower to make people comfortable in front of the camera. (laughs) And so, and you're laughing at me over there because you've been through it. (laughs) Yeah. But... It's completely 100% up to me to make that image. It's you just literally have to listen to me and do what I tell you to do. And we're going to be golden. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it's 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 true. It's true. So then when we're looking at like this this myth of the of being photogenic, which, first of all, I do just have to throw one quick little challenge in there because I have seen a picture of that. Have you, you remember the guy? There was this picture that went like viral. It was a couple years back. He was like running a marathon and it was like photogenic guy. Do you remember that? No. Okay. So basically it was just literally a picture of this dude in the middle of a marathon where everybody else looks just busted right because they're, they're on mile like 18 sure. or something like that and here's this guy i'm gonna try to find it and put it in the show notes okay <laughs> because it was it literally went viral it said photogenic guy right. where you're in the middle of this marathon and he's just like chucking along perfectly symmetrical face hair is perfect and he happens to see the camera and just ding and just <laughs> hits the camera with this perfect smile 
And the, the photo hits the internet and all the rest of us normies go, okay, okay. <laughs> now, obviously that's the exception rather than the rule, but I would challenge that that guy is just straight up photogenic. Sure. I would refer I really to wish him as, that picture. Uh, I would refer to him maybe as a genetic anomaly. <laughs> I like that so much better. And you touched earlier on how in the age of social media and we're just constantly being bombarded with these visual images that we can compare ourselves to literally in a split second, in a millisecond, without even trying to do it, we're doing it. It's just automatic. And so we're consuming this idea of beauty and this idea of what is pleasing and acceptable versus what we see when we look in the mirror. And they're, you know, with the exception of our genetic anomalies, um, there might be a little bit of a disparity between those two things. So how do we how do we navigate that when there's this concept of beauty that we're being sold versus what's actually real? Does that make sense? Oh yeah. If I had the perfect answer, I would be very famous. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, it's two parts. At least two things are coming to my head right now. The first thing is just to be mindful and think about historical beauty. And so that's something that I like to do. If you've ever seen those videos or little articles that talk about the ideal body size yes. or body type by yes. decade, those are say over the last 120 years. Um, I think that that's really fascinating indeed mm-hmm. um, that, you know, and it's not separated by all that much time. Yeah. Like 20 years ago or 30 years ago, would you ever have thought that people would be getting butt implants because they wanted bigger butts? No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, Sir Mix-a-Lot like, might have thought so. But I, <laughs> I think there's just like, isn't there just like one decade of difference between Marilyn Monroe and Twiggy? Right, exactly. Probably. Because Twiggy was what? She's 50s and 60s. Seven, no, I thought, yeah. Or 60s and 70s. Somewhere else. Yeah, well, not that much time. Like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, not, much, that, not that much time. Right. So I think that's interesting. And um, that has historically been something that's given me a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's like you can go to bed one night and wake up the next day and oh now now it's different it's at the whim of whatever type type is different right it's at the whim of whoever's the most famous that day Mm. the other part of this that comes into my head is like um big champions for body self-love on a massive stage and so Lizzo is the person that I think of immediately right now and she hates being hailed as a hero for her bravery and I love that too she's reshaping how we think about different bodies and I think it's amazing and we need more of that and I found that the more Lizzo I consume (laughs) okay (laughs) the more my view on the world and myself changes which because it's thing. just about exposure. Your worldview is a reflection of how you feel about yourself and how you feel about the world. Yeah. And uh, so what we consume, what we look at. And so I feel like body positivity pages on Instagram and all of these accounts, I feel like that's really, really important in just helping us love ourselves more. Yeah. Because I, I and one of the messages that you were talking about, like there's and like there's kind of this gut reaction to be like, oh, my goodness, you're so brave for that. Yeah. But they put, you know, a lot of the very outspoken self-love body love body confidence advocates will say listen it doesn't it shouldn't at least it shouldn't require bravery for me to love my own body yeah. and to be proud of what my body is and can do and um the fact that it is viewed as bravery 
is part of the issue. Absolutely. You know? So it's, I, I echo that exactly where you're like, it's just, it's kind of like a rethinking, a reframing of the whole way that we've been to, I would argue, no fault of our own trained to view as the quote unquote, I'm making air quotes, but you can't see me (laughs) normal size body. Yeah. When in actuality, that is a fallacy that doesn't exist. There are just bodies. Yeah, we're all normal. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was the thing I said at the very beginning of this podcast that existing in photos requires bravery? Mm. I would like to think that eventually it won't. You know, you make a great point that we're starting to see it really have a moment thanks to, you know, the uh, the people like Lizzo and Ashley Graham. And I mean, I could go um gabby fresh has this fantastic swimsuit line for curvy bodies if you haven't checked it out no oh my goodness her instagram you got to check that okay, out i'm making notes here oh yeah there's <laughs> I, I got a whole list because i had to do this i literally had to do an instagram purge because as part of my history mm. with um kind of similar to yours where i had a massive amount of weight loss that was due in mostly to disordered eating yep. and um mental uh, health struggles and then gaining the weight back mm-hmm. really having this hard time accepting my body at whatever moment it was in yes you know and like I had to shift from having my Instagram be full of fitness accounts and before and after transformation stories and go wait a minute there's still value in the before oh yeah and I'm telling myself this because I still have to try to convince myself of it yeah and so now I've started shifting from filling my feed with that to something that's more, you know, embracing of the value in my body right now in this size, in that size. And there's a difference between, you know, perpetuating an unhealthy lifestyle because that is not what we're talking about. Correct. What we're talking about is loving and treating your body well in its current state whatever that state may be. Absolutely. And I'm a huge proponent for turning off the noise, as I like to call it. Yeah. Anything that's making you feel negatively, anything that's um, taking you back to a bad place, I feel like it's really important to cut it off, like unfollow or just remove it completely. Yeah. And controlling the input (laughs) is really, really important. Totally. It it really is for me on multiple levels. I do this professionally. Mm -hmm. When I was a wedding photographer, I used to really, really struggle with jealousy of wedding photographers who are Mm. especially gifted. Right. And instead of looking at it, at their work and being really inspired and encouraged, I would be jealous. I would feel bad about myself. I'd question my own work. Why didn't I think to shoot it like that? Yeah. And like, why don't I know how to make that image? Like, Mm. why am I not enough? I see those images and feel that I'm not enough, you know? And so I had too. I literally just talked about this on another podcast, but I had <laughs> Sorry. to turn. No, I, it's like, this is a repetitive theme. And I think it's really important in helping shape our framework for our lives. Okay. And I had to pull all of those off my feed and I could focus on myself. And that's exactly what we're talking about. And I think it's really powerful. And I think there's a difference between that, between protecting our mind space, protecting our emotions and that sort of thing and creating an echo chamber. Mm, sure. You know, because obviously with the culture being as it is and like you know things can get vindictive things can get mean we are in a rather contentious time and there is a danger of creating your of building yourself into this little echo chamber bubble mm-hmm. where everybody looks like you thinks like you mm-hmm. uh votes like you acts like you yeah 
there's a difference between creating that space mm-hmm. and creating a space that is healthy for you and your growth and your self-love and your ability to live your life well. Absolutely. I wish I had all the answers, but I think talking about it helps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just the conversation and the awareness and thank, thank, thank goodness for Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That's your second tweetable for today's for today's podcast uh, is thank goodness for Lizzo. Absolutely. So then coming back around to this concept of, you know, of existing photos mm-hmm. where, yeah, it would be awesome for every single mom to get their butt into the studio and have the light shine on them for a day and create these heirloom photos, these heirloom portraits. But on that day to on that day to day level with the phone in your back pocket, what suggestions would you give to moms? What encouragement would message do you want to send to to all of us that will get us out from behind the camera every once in a while and get in the photo? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would just say to consider your act of existing in photographs to be an exercise in love for your loved ones and for yourself. But every time you do it, just do it uh, coming from a place of love for your family. And it has to start there because yeah. it's it's going to take a lot of work for us to like come back <laughs> around in our own selves for our own selves. But I feel like, especially as moms, we are most and best motivated by our love for our families. Can you tell us about if there's been an instance where you've literally seen that shift take place, where somebody has been one way before they've gotten in front of the camera and then they get in front of your camera, you do your thing, the magic has worked and suddenly something happens. There's a, there's a transformation that takes place. It's a great question because I very recently photographed someone who did the most beautiful little write-up about her experience and the shift in how she's seeing herself. And I would love to just read a little blurb Uh, that write up for you. She says, I've been a stay at home mom for almost 10 years. It's hard to remember that I used to be a person besides mom some days. But I knew I wanted to step into turning 40 this year, shedding some old thoughts and habits regarding myself. I've spent a lot of my life either avoiding pictures or criticizing the daylights out of myself in the ones where I was captured. I've been trying to be on a journey of self-acceptance as I age, And I've wanted to change my attitude toward myself, not only for me, but so that I can set the right example for my two daughters. I wanted to be able to say, okay, it's time. Let's try this self-love thing. And this photo session and these images apparently were the absolute best way to do that. Looking at these photos isn't just seeing a part of myself that I forgot. It's seeing a part of myself that I didn't know was there. My husband pulled out his favorite photograph from the series, said that I looked stunning, and told me he was so happy that I was finally seeing myself the way that he always sees me. It's time to start believing. Alrighty, today's My Milwaukee Mom moment comes from Mandy R. from Milwaukee. And I have a feeling that everybody's going to be able to relate to this one, at least on some level. I love it. All right, here we go. We were running late to school one morning and I yelled out, of course I would be hitting every red light today. 
We had to get out of the car and run up the three flights of stairs to my son's 4K classroom because we missed the time when I could drop him off with his teacher at the curb. His teacher met us and asked him why we were running late in this cute little sing-song type of way. My son quickly responded, because my mom had to hit every red light, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I know. Kids hear everything. They do. (laughs) They do. They hear everything. They repeat everything. And every once in a while, they just like to throw it out there when it's going to be the most embarrassing for you. Of course. Yep. Been there. Poor Mandy. It's okay, (laughs) Mandy. Solidarity. All right, Jennifer, as we wrap up today's conversation, tell me an unpopular opinion. Grapefruit is vile. Now, vile, that is a very <laughs> strong word for grapefruit. I know. And this is why it's why, not what unpopular. What grapefruit do? What kind of trauma, what kind of grapefruit-related trauma do you have? <laughs> you know, you nailed it right on the head. I actually, I don't know why, but it literally makes me physically ill when I try to eat it. Come on. I know. I don't it know just, what It's happened. just been like that for forever? I don't think it's even been forever. I think it's only been maybe eight or nine years. Okay. What about grapefruit-flavored things? It's, it's no. reminiscent, and so I will always opt for something else Man. and I you're know. like and you are okay this is the other thing that you are incredible at is creating these beautiful bowls of fruit smoothie awesomeness <laughs> so it oh. it shocks me that your unpopular opinion is related to a fruit yeah you know it um, really shocks me I love fruit and I think that food should be beautiful but sometimes we don't get along I also <laughs> hate beets and I like most other vegetables so okay we I all can, have our thing I can see that <laughs> I can see that okay all right tell me your my Milwaukee pick this can be a place an experience a brand a business uh, it can be anything related to the greater Milwaukee area that makes you just smile because you love it so much oh well the thing that pops into my head because I'm a veg head is the restaurant Celesta um it's one it's recently been named one of the best vegan restaurants in the country oh and it's right here in Milwaukee so I really recommend it. and my husband is not vegan at all he's not vegetarian um and that's cool uh and their brunch is off the hook. His favorite thing is their um, biscuits and gravy. Oh, I love biscuits. And yeah. Gravy. And they do bloodies. And mm. so I really recommend they also do a fishless fish fry on Friday. I'm sorry, a fishless fish fry? Yeah. And um, I believe it was maybe on Milwaukee or the Journal Sentinel or one of those guys did like the top five Milwaukee fish fries you shouldn't miss. And Celeste's was on the list. So what's fried if not yeah, fish? So it's like, um, it's a fish substitute like tofu based interesting and it's crunchy and fried and on the outside and they've got the coleslaw and they've got the fries oh it's mm. so i'm getting hungry now it's so I good know. so I celesta know. totally got locally it. owned very special super unique so one of our taglines for the for this podcast is that it's a you know with a midwest twist and there ain't nothing more midwest than a fish fry darn tootin so <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of it being a vegan fish fry is very fascinating i and it's exciting you know some of us go vegan because not because we don't like meat and it's really nice to have an alternative and then you can go out and enjoy fish fry because it's social it's that whole midwest thing and yeah totally yeah, they're fabulous Ooh, okay noted all right what is in your cart this could be something that's like hanging out in your cart that you haven't pulled the trigger on yet or this could be something that you've purchased recently that's like this is my jam and i can't wait to tell somebody about it 
So I like shopping for clothes and it's something that I have to rein in through (laughs) self-control. I find that at least half the fun of shopping is the shopping itself and not necessarily the taking of taking home of things so are you like a habitual add to cart and then just let it hang there yep and I it, definitely mm. get those hey you did you forget something in your cart emails but I do it on purpose so I have I carts see. full of things all over the place on my apps and online stores and I just don't buy them well Jennifer it's always a joy to hang out with you thank you so much for joining us for this conversation tell us what you have coming up uh, any fun new projects or where and where can people find you well I'm in between personal projects at this moment. This isn't storm chasing season either. Right. I'm actually going to be (laughs) photographed uh, (gasps) on Saturday. My husband and I are flying to Richmond, Virginia. So great. And so I'm practicing being uh, a person who exists in photos as well. My husband and I haven't been photographed together since our wedding. So that's my next adventure is my own self-love. Good for you. You can find me at Jen Brindley on Instagram. That's two N's and it's B-R-I-N-D-L-E-Y on Facebook at Jennifer Brindley Portrait or JenniferBrindley.com. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. So thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for teaching us about existing in photos, self-love and tornadoes. Yes. And vegan fish fries. Yes. (laughs) Oh, sorry. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. For more information on what you just heard, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at Milwaukee Momcast. If you enjoyed this episode and know someone who should tune in, please share it. Grab a screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories and tag us so we can say thanks. Even better, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes, which helps us more than you realize. We'll look forward to you joining us on our next episode of Milwaukee Momcast.